Hi, welcome to Hags and Body Bags. My name is Erin. I'm Olivia. I'm Claire. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the history and basics of forensic science. So, in the, be- the bening- beginning, um, <laughs> the earliest form of forensic science that we know of today was discovered in China. Uh, they started really in the 6th century. Um, we know this based off of a book that was discovered titled uh, Ming Yuan Shilu, produced by Hishi Chi Chisai. Fingers crossed that is right. I hope people um, give you grace for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also uh, used fingerprints as identification on uh, marriage certificates and um, legal documents. Um, and then the other one that we know that's like the earliest form was the Greeks and Romans. They used forensic science mainly for pharmacology. They also had a lot of murders and assassinations going on at the time. So they were able to identify um, which things caused what. So like what arsenic did to the body and what like cocaine did to the body. Um, um, More modern forensics. is the more in-depth stuff so what really kicked it off was the Sherlock Holmes series uh, beginning in 1887 with a study in Scarlet very famous Um, the series the main character is based off of a real and renowned uh, forensic science scientist Joseph Bell at who actually uh, studied and taught at the Edinburgh University um, there was so after this, there was a lot more interest due to the Sherlock Holmes series. Um, so uh, what happened was a lot of chemists and biologists at the time were trying to figure out how the world works. Um, but after the Sherlock Holmes series, um, they wanted to figure out how to solve crimes in science, and so they all just kind of merged together. Um, and so that that's where we get all the different branches of uh, forensic science. Um, actually, the father of forensic science, he actually uh, came to the scene. Haha, scene, get it? Crime scene. Okay, um, eighteen in eighteen thirty six. Um, he was a Scottish chemist who was the very first to successfully solve a murder with um, forensic science, specifically toxicology. Um, he tested through um, arsenic, um, the person's blood, um, and he found um, chemicals, and so it was a murder. Um, it's now known as the Marsh Test, which is now used in modern forensic toxicology. And <laughs> what's funny is, uh, even though he's Scottish, he's known as the French Sherlock Holmes. What? Wowzy. So funny. Anyway. The next, talk, the next topic we're going to do is the changes. So obviously it has changed since the um, Marsh time. Um, the, federal, the federal work has been more involved in this stuff, like in court and stuff. The technology is gotten better. The microscopes is definitely better. The fingerprint identification. 80% of crime labs in the U.S. are used by professional forensic scientists. Ooh. The next part that I'm going to talk about is the responsibilities associated with the job. So one of the first, sorry, lost my 
You're good, there. you're good. Just keep going. Just keep going. The first responsibility we're going to talk about is they usually specialize analysis analyzing yeah i have a struggle saying that word sorry analyzing the crime scene to determine what evidence should be collected and how they have to sketch the crime scene the ballistics and the tools and weapons analysis toxicology and many more they have to report the observations and submit findings to law enforcement what kind of findings would be important and which ones would be left out which is like a big question i think people ask forensic scientists these days um, possible weapons used, possible suspects based on hair types, skin cells, and or DNA matches, which are all questions that you'd ask, like, how do you know? Um, the next one is a toxicology report, which is evidence that has no supporting evidence. They cannot explain how it relates to the crime scene, has no relation at all. They may, they, they may be called to act as an expert witness in a court of law, explain their findings. So, for example, in the George Ford case... Forensic scientist Andrew Baker explained that the autopsy and the cause of death determining that, though, were there was methamphetamine in his system. The officer was the cause of death. He had to defend his ruling. Defend his ruling. A asphyxiation due to the knee on his neck. Yes. And there were actually uh, three different forensic scientists that they called in. There was um, two women and uh, Andrew Baker. I think that is kind of crazy because it took three people to figure out how. Well, I mean, and it was like a huge deal. Yeah, especially for America at the time. Yeah. So I actually want to correct myself from earlier. Um, I said that there were two other women. There was actually another man that testified in the George Floyd case. Um, there was David F uh, Fowler. Lindsay Thomas and Mackenzie Anderson, they all testified as professional crime scene investigators or, or uh, excuse me, uh, forensic scientists. And they were all able to back up their testimonies with hardcore evidence and were able to leave their political or personal opinions out of it. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Um, to the George Floyd case and like all of that? Or like just like... Um, well, I do want to say that I think it's crazy, like... I want to know, like, did the drugs, like, or was it, what was it, methamphetamine? Right? Methamphetamine system? Yeah. Um, did that have, like, anything to do with, like, his breathing and stuff? Or um, was it mainly specifically? Um, it was already causing him to, like, have heart palpitations. And um, he, the, the reason why you see in the video, like, why he's stumbling around while they're, like. Wasn't he intoxicated at that point? Yeah, and like the knee on his neck just ended up making it worse. Okay. I think we're getting a little bit off topic, but like that's a really oh, interesting. Well, I was curious because yeah. it's like that's also like part of a toxicology, like has to go. Yeah, because um, I'm pretty sure um, Mackenzie Anderson and Lindsay Thomas were the. Um, uh, Lindsay Anderson was the. Lindsay Thomas was the forensic toxicologist that did his blood work and oh, everything. Okay. Um, Mackenzie Anderson was the. Oof, I don't I don't remember what she did, but. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Anyway, um, moving back around to changes. Um. So. I'm. I don't know how to say his name, and I don't want to butcher it, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> Anthony Van. Lewak. Lewak. 
we i don't know i hope y'all can give me grace for that <laughs> he was a dutch cloth maker and he had a hobby of making microscopes in 1670 he became the first person to study the life form at a microscopic level he handheld and a, he handheld about the size of someone's thumb now advanced to the ones seen in labs and classrooms, the actual microscope has a very similar build, but the microscope as a whole was founded by Galileo in 1609. Mmm, delicioso, right? <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh, men, 1600s. You know what? Dude, at least these men created something we could use in today's society. <laughs> so, um... Again, back to uh, the um, eighty percent of crime labs uh, by uh, are used by professional forensic scientists. The other twenty percent are used by other law enforcement officers, um, and they actually hire apprentices and interns to help them. So that's the other twenty percent that makes it up. Okay. Anyway, I guess that marks the end of this episode. Thank y'all for listening. Bye bye.